Glad you guys are with us. Thanks for joining us today. For I'm excited about um, this series we're in called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. I gotta be honest with you. Now, obviously everything we say is based upon the Bible, but I'm also leaning heavily on a book by the same title, Forgiving What You Can't Forget by Lisa Turkhurst, a great read, uh, really powerful author. She, you probably read her stuff before. If you haven't, it's really worth the read. But uh, I, I'm completely ripping her stuff off. It's so good. I was just like, this is incredible. And so a lot of stuff we're gonna share is from her book. And she has experienced a much deeper pain and betrayal than, than I have. And I wanna be the first to admit this on the front end. You know, my wife, uh, years ago, she kind of got on me. She says, Bill, you, you kind of just say, forgive people. But there's people who have way deeper wounds than you do. And I think that's, that's important for me to just acknowledge on the front end. I, I was not abused growing up. Um, I've not gone through a divorce. Um, I have not been betrayed at those levels. I want to openly admit that. My betrayals that I've experienced have almost always been uh, in my professional life, meaning that they have been people that at the church that burned me. Um, you know, when you have a, a church um, that, and you've been pastoring a long time, as I have been pastoring for 24 years now, the same church, um, people come and they go, and sometimes they leave loudly. <laughs> and, uh, and that can be very offensive and, and very difficult and, and painful. So in fact, I, I tell our staff, I've taught on this and our staff before, that uh, the longer you're in ministry, the more you have to forgive and forget. <laughs> and so that's just part of ministry. But that's really part of everything. I just want to say, you know, if you're going to be in, in one company for a long time, you're going to have to learn to forgive people. If you're going to be in, in the same marriage for a long time, you know, I've been married 29 years this May, and, and you know, we have to learn to forgive one another. That's, that's a common thing. And so I just, I want to encourage you that anything is going to involve forgiveness if you're going to go the distance at it. And so as we talk about this, I don't want to make light of it. I understand this is a very tough subject for a lot of people. In fact, I feel like this message is almost more a counseling session than preaching today. So I just feel led to, to start with prayer. I'm going to ask you at the end of this message to forgive someone. And I know in doing that, some of you right now are already resistant, like, I'm going to forgive you, pastor, because you're making me so mad. Because you don't know what someone did to me or someone said to me or how someone betrayed me. And, I, and I, I don't claim to understand the depths of your own sorrow and pain. I don't, I don't want to even pretend and I do not want to make light of it. So let's pray and ask God to do what only God can do today. And I'm asking God to do a miracle today to either allow you to forgive someone or, dare I say, open your heart to the forgiveness process, to even being open to it. So let's pray right now. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're in charge. I thank you, God, that you're bigger than our wounds. I thank you, God, that you're bigger than our pain. You're bigger than our betrayal. You're bigger than a divorce. You're bigger than a legal battle. You're bigger than being fired. You're bigger than all that we've gone through. You're bigger than abuse. You're bigger than betrayals. Thank you, God. You're bigger than all that. So Lord, we ask you to do what only you can do, God. Lord, I ask you for a miracle to happen at the end of the service where you would show us how, with our broken hearts, to forgive someone. Thank you, God, that we get to do this today. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. Now, some of you right now are like, okay, you know, I hear what you're saying, and forgiveness is great, and I believe in it, Pastor, but that's for other people. That's not for this person. Like, you don't know what this person did to me. So we always kind of have excuses for why we can't forgive someone. Here, here's a list of excuses maybe you found yourself in these. Maybe you say today, um, I can't forgive them because I fear the offense will be repeated. They're going to do it again. So why should I forgive them when they're just going to do it again? How about this one? Um, hanging on to a grudge gives me a sense of control in a situation that's been totally unfair. You're like, this is the only thing I got is I can still hold on to this grudge, to this frustration, to this resentment. Maybe this is you. The pain I experienced altered my life, and yet no one has ever validated that what I went through was wrong. You're like, this wrecked my life, 
and you just want me just to let them off the hook. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like forgiveness feels like it trivializes, minimizes, or worse yet, makes what happened no big deal when it is a big deal. Maybe this is you. I can't possibly forgive when I still feel so hostile towards the one who hurt me. I'm still mad at them. How can I forgive them? I'm not ready to forgive. I still feel hurt. How about this one? They haven't apologized or even acknowledged what they did was wrong. How can I forgive this person when they don't even realize what they've done to me? Right? Maybe this is you. Being back in relationship with this person isn't possible or safe. Furthermore, it's not even reasonable for me to have a a conversation with the person who hurt me. How can I forgive them? I can't even get near them for what they've done to me. How about, maybe maybe this is you. I'm still in the middle of a long, hard situation with no resolution yet. Like this is still going on. So how can I forgive them? Maybe this is you. I'm afraid that forgiveness will give them a false hope that I want to reestablish your relationship when I don't. Maybe that's you. You're like, "I, I don't want this to lead to something that I don't want. How about this? It's easier to ignore this person altogether than to try and figure out boundaries so that they don't keep hurting me. Again and again. Or what they said did, uh, what they did is unchangeable. Therefore, forgiveness won't help anything. Just won't make a difference. The person who hurt me is no longer here. I can't forgive someone I can't talk to. Maybe the person you need to forgive isn't even even alive anymore. So you think, what does it matter? Well, it does matter because it's not for them. I don't think any good will come from forgiveness now. See, all those are predicated on, 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 thinking that we forgive them for them, but I want to challenge you to forgive them for you. So you don't forgive them because they deserve it. (laughs) They may never deserve it. You forgive them because you deserve it, because your future deserves it. So I want to dive right in right now and talk about forgiveness. I have nine points. I got to move pretty quick. But the first three are all tied up in unforgiveness. Then we're going to shift into forgiveness. But the first thing I want to do is I want to try to convince you why you should forgive someone, even if you don't feel like doing it. And so here's what unforgiveness does. Well, first of all, let me read a scripture that shows us that we do need to forgive. Ephesians 4 says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So God tells us you you do need to forgive. Now, here's three things about unforgiveness, and then we'll dive into how we do forgiveness. First thing about unforgiveness is it stops your walk with God. It just does. I mean, you just you, you can't really go further with, with unforgiveness in your heart. It says in Matthew 6, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. So we, we had to forgive. See, there's this river of grace running through your life. And when you are offended by someone, hurt by someone, and you don't want to forgive them, you basically dam up the forgiveness. You say, I, I will not forgive you. And when you do that, that river of grace just starts to pile up grace upon grace, and it gets really heavy on you. Now you're carrying this weight of realizing I've been forgiven, but I've just refused to give any of this out. So it, it, it weighs you down. So unforgiveness stops your walk with God. Unforgiveness also leads to bitterness and resentment. Hebrews chapter 12 says, See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it uh, many become defiled. It defiles you. It just dirties you. It really does. Now, I, I love how it says this, the root of bitterness, because it's a root. You know, if you go to pull a weed in your, your garden or your, your front lawn, like, like, you know, like we have to sometimes we have to pull weeds, the quick thing to do is just yank it and just, it looks, you know, you just yank them all up real quick and you look, oh, it looks nice now, we're all good. But if you do that, if you've done this before, you already know that give it a week, there'll be weeds again because you didn't get your hand dirty 
and go down into the soil and actually get the root and pull the root out. See, when you pull the root out, it just makes a mess. So today's message is, I'm asking you to get a little dirty. It's going to be messy because this is not easy to do, but we have to get to the root. If you don't get the root, here's what happens. It says here, it springs up. It says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up. What does that mean it springs up? You ever just popped off something, just flew out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, I, I didn't mean to say that? How did that happen? How did I just pop off at my spouse? How did I just pop off at my kids? How did I just pop off at my boss or a coworker or a friend? How did I just fly out of my mouth? Because deep down, you're resentful towards someone, and it, it's going to come out. So you have to deal with it, or else it will resurface. And so you have to get to the root of the bitterness. So Unforgiveness leads to bitterness and resentment. It'll fly out of your mouth. Fly out of your mouth. And the third one is it stops you from going forward in life and in relationships. The Apostle Paul says this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to move forward, right? But how can you move forward if you're still holding on to something from your past? So this is why unforgiveness really isn't the answer. It's slowing you down. It's stopping your relationship. It's stopping your future. And so I want to challenge you to move into forgiveness with me. So let's talk about this. I've got six points. I'm going to move really quick, but I believe this is worth it. Boy, it got quiet in here. This is the message nobody likes. Forgiveness is the real F word. I'm telling you. People don't want to do this. See, forgiveness sounds great in theory until you have to do it. And then we don't like it. You don't know what this person did to me. I don't, but God does, and God never gives us an out. And so how do we do this? Well, first of all, I'm to give you three points on how do you deal with uh, when you're offended by someone in, that you're in relationship. Maybe this is your spouse. Maybe this is your friend, your best friend. Maybe this is a coworker. Maybe it's someone you, you do life with somehow. Maybe it's another family member. So what do you do when you're offended by someone um, that you are still in relationship with? So it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love keeps no record of being wronged. And so First uh, Peter 4 puts it this way. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love conquers a multitude of sins. Multitude means there's a lot. Now that you really love someone, you got to let forgiveness cover a lot of ground. So I've been, I've been married almost 29 years. This may be 29. And, you know, to be married that long, you have to forgive a lot of stuff, right? And so if you're going to work in the same job a long time, you got to forgive a lot of people. You, you just name whatever it is you want to do. If you want to do anything long-term, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to let go of some stuff. In fact, the higher you go in an organization, the higher levels of forgiveness have had to happen for, that, for them to get there. And so I'm just telling you, to avoid the whole take this job and shove it concept, you have to forgive people. If you don't, things won't last. Forgiveness is required. Now, I want to point something out. Number one, to truly love someone is to keep no record of wrongs, but this is the goal to strive for. I didn't say it's easy. I mean, it's not easy. It's, it's very difficult. But it's the ideal that we're shooting for, but we have to live in the real. So have you ever had someone cut you off in traffic really bad, like to the point where you're almost wrecked? You ever had that happen? Have you noticed that they just drive along their merry way like nothing happened? And you're like, I almost killed myself over here, and you're just driving down the street like nothing happened. That's like a microcosm of what happens in our life, isn't it? Someone wrecks us, and yet they just wander on like nothing happened. It's very frustrating at that moment. And so it's easy to have a road rage life to where you're just so frustrated. Like, man, what they did to me. 
and they just wander off in their life like nothing happened. So the second thing I want to say about forgiveness here is that forgiving someone is not dependent upon them seeking forgiveness from you. Some of you are like, well, I'll forgive them as soon as they come say they're sorry. But what if they never say they're sorry? What if they're not sorry? So how do you deal with that? Some of you are still waiting on an ex-spouse to show up at your door, knock on the door, drop on their knees and say, I see the error of my ways. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's probably just not going to happen. So if you're waiting on that day, you may be waiting a long time. If you're waiting for your old boss that fired you to call up and say, the company's never been the same. We got to have you back. It just may not happen. Chances are it won't. And so instead, we have to learn to forgive even if they don't ask. You know, Jesus went to the cross before we asked. So we have to learn to forgive even when they're not asking for it. And so, again, maybe the person that you need to forgive isn't even alive for you to be able to mend a relationship with. We still have to be willing to forgive them. And this is really important. Number three, don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation or trust. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you trust them again. That's going to take a while to trust someone, if ever. Proverbs 22 says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Matthew 10 puts it this way. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. God is saying, hey, there's some wolves out there. So you got to be careful. You, you can forgive someone. That doesn't necessarily mean that you trust them. So trust has to be built, and it takes a while to do that. Luke chapter 3 puts it this way. This is a great, if you're a high justice person, you're going to love this verse. This verse is for you, okay? This will be your, like your memory verse for the week. Here it is. Ready? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. My wife tells my kids and tells me and tells others this. This is a high, trust, this is a high justice person would say this. She would, she would say to you and she would say to me, she would say, don't tell me you're sorry. Show me you're sorry, right? How many high, how many high, you're like, yes! Right? Yeah. So it's a big deal. Now, on, on the whole trust thing, we're about to talk about what do you do with people that you no longer trust. We'll talk about that in a moment. But don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. You can say I forgive someone, but you still have the right to check up on things. Like maybe your spouse really hurt you deeply and, and betrayed you. You know, then don't be surprised if they're even willing to continue the relationship if they're like, where have you been for the last hour? Well, come on, I just want, whoa, whoa, whoa. Based upon your past performance, they have every reason to say, where are you? What are you doing, right? So that's not an unfair thing. You know, trust happens, but first you have to trust and verify, right? It's okay to do that. And so I've been a, not only a pastor a long time, but I've been a, a boss, like an employer a long time. So I have no problem saying to an employee, like, hey, what do you do on Tuesday, you know, 10 to 5? What do you, what'd you do? Or 8 to 5? Tell them, and they're like, well, are you checking up on me? Yep. Well, don't you trust me? I'm like, well, I trust you, but I've also been doing this a while, so I'd like to see you do your job. So here's the three or four goals you have. Have you done these goals? Oh, I can't believe no trust. Well, you know, well, but I love God, and I'm called. And I'm like, I know you love God, but I expected you to love God showing up. You know, we don't pay you to love God. We pay you to do your job. Does that make sense? And so I just want to encourage you, it's okay to, to, to say, I need you to build some trust here with me. Now, I'm not saying that we should immediately distrust people. In fact, if you immediately distrust people, that's actually a sign you do need to forgive someone. Because you're taking the unforgiveness from this person and applying it to everyone you meet. That's why, again, I go back to the first three things I said, you've got to forgive because you can't move forward. It's not fair to someone for you to not trust them when you just met them. Like, you don't even know me and you're acting like I'm an axe murderer. I don't understand. It's because you're still not over a previous 
a previous offense. So that's a big deal. So don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation or trust. You know, can I just be honest with you? This may sound jaded, but I've just learned this with what I do. Uh, for people who say, oh, but I can't believe they burned me. They're a Christian. Well, everyone who's burned me is a Christian. All of them. Like, in fact, half of them are pastors. So that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, like, you can have five seminary degrees and still burn me. I mean, so don't, don't buy into that. Well, they're a Christian. In fact, honestly, I'm really weary of people who have what I call a high JPM. JPM means Jesus per minute. People that quote Jesus a little too much, they're like, God loves you and praise the Lord and God's look at the beautiful clouds. Can't you just see God in that? And isn't the Lord good? I'm just like, well, let's just chill a little bit, okay? Like, I'm a Christian and I love the Lord, but if you're spitting that much Jesus at me, you're covering for something. How many guys know what I'm talking about? Like, easy. And again, you may say, man, you sound really jaded. Well, I mean, I've got a couple reasons to be. I've just, I've learned when someone's just spitting nonstop God, God, God talk, and sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't know if that's all real. So I just, I want to warn you that, you know, be careful. Sometimes someone can appear one way and, and, and be completely the opposite. You know, when I hear, you know, you're maybe you're single and you're dating someone and like, oh man, he just talks about God all day long. That's great. You know, maybe your last boyfriend did that too, till they burned you, right? I mean, so it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee anything. I just, I just, I hate to break that to you, but you still need to look for character flaws and, you know, for someone who will do the right thing even when it's inconvenient, things like that. This isn't a relationship message. My point is, is that trust but verify. There's nothing wrong with doing that. So don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation or trust. Now, I want to shift gears into the last three points, which are the hardest points of the entire message. Years ago, I went and saw a doctor friend of mine and, uh, when I went to see him, my toe was aching. I, apparently, I had like busted some blood vessel or something underneath the toenail, so it was really hurt. Like you could see blood building up. It was really painful. So there was a lot of uh, pain involved, and it was just, I was like, I got to take care of this. I couldn't figure out how to do it myself. So I went to him and said, hey, I got some issues. He said, come and see me. I'll, I'll take care of it. So I took off my shoe, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, that's, there's a lot there. You're going get, to get rid of that pressure. I was like, well, how do you do that? He's like, well, let me take a look at it. So I'm talking to him. He's like, how's your family? This so I'm just sitting there on the little thing, you know, just on the gurney with my foot looking at He's down there looking at my foot, and I'm just looking up. And How's your kids? I'm like, kids are good. Yeah, you know, Mason's doing this. And, cool. and I'm just talking. He's just asking my family. All of a sudden, he stabs me in the toe. <laughs> Midway through, I'm just going. And so he was, ah! And he went right into, like, drilled right through my toenail. Right, I mean, that needle was like an inch and a half into my, I was like, my toe's not even barely an inch and a half. Like he's all the way in. I mean, it hurt so bad. And I realized in that moment, like he didn't warn me because there was no real help with warning. Like he's going, I'm about to hurt you like crazy. That wouldn't have helped me. <laughs> so he realized, I don't want you to tense up. It'll hurt worse. So I'm just going to go right at it. Then while he's in there, I'm like, dude, that hurts so bad. I can't believe Because he's, he's my doctor, but he's also a friend. So I'm like, dude, you know, you're killing me. And then, and then he says, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I got to drill down further. I was like, <laughs> what? And then he just pushed down. I can't even express the pain. I was not having pastor-like thoughts. <laughs> it hurt so bad, but it was all necessary the only way to relieve the pain was to have some more pain. So I say that because I need to drill down right now. I can't help you. The Bible can't help you. God can't help you unless you let God drill right down in the middle of your pain right now. Okay? You guys ready? It's the only way we can do this, okay? 
So the next three points are going to be tough, but they work because they're God's word. Next point is this. Forgiveness is more satisfying than revenge. I know you don't believe that, but I promise you it is. Doesn't feel that way. You're like, can I just get a little revenge first, just a little bit? No, no that's, not, that's not what the Bible says. Let me, let me show you this. This is really powerful. Romans chapter 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So basically, the Apostle Paul says here, look, we're not worried about what they do. We can only concentrate on what you can do. So you can't fix what they say. If they keep popping off, keep hurting you, keep doing stuff, you can't fix that. But you can take care of you. So, so on your end, try to live at peace with this person, right? Then he says this, beloved, beloved is, I got the needle in my hand. <laughs> beloved, I'm about to go in. He's about to say something pretty tough. And this is what he says, beloved. He says, I love you, but I'm about to shove this needle right into your toe. You need to hear this loud and clear. And this is what he says, never avenge yourselves. I know we want to do that. Though. I'm like, oh, I just want to join Marvel. Let me just avenge. I want to just be an avenger. But God says, no, that's not your role. Your role is not to avenge. He says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, your enemy, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Now you're just smoking crack. Okay, now you're stupid. <laughs> There's no way you just said for me to help someone out who has wounded me deeply. God's like, yeah, that's what I just said. If they're hungry, feed them. Not, not feed them poison, feed them. <laughs> he says, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. I know you're right now, I'll give you something to drink right now. I'll take care of that. You know, no, that's not what he says. If, he, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this is really hard, but our God is not a do-nothing God. When we refuse to forgive someone because we don't feel like they're going to get what they deserve, you're actually saying to God, I don't trust you. I don't really trust that you're a just God, that you're really going to handle this. So I'll take it in my own hands. God's like, no, vengeance is mine. Now, if, if, if someone deserves justice, do you think you can do a better job or the God of the universe? But, but you understand, they seem like they're happy and everything's fine. They just moved on with their life. and no, 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 They seem that way to you. It doesn't mean they are. They just seem that way to you. So we have to learn to trust God and let him get the revenge, not, not us. Years ago, and I mean like over 100 years ago, the first missionaries to Alberta, Canada, went in and, and there was Indians everywhere. Uh, the the, the, the Can Canada was run by Indians, basically, as, as well as North America. These missionaries went in to lead them to Christ. And there's one particular um, young chief. Uh, he was the chief of the Cree Indians. His name was Maskapatoon. Maskapatoon was very uh, against Christianity, but eventually he found Christ. He, he accepted Christ as his Lord, as his Savior. He became a Christian. It wasn't too shortly after that that another warring tribe uh, came in and apparently somehow his father was somewhere alone and this warring tribe member killed his father. So Maskabatoon got on his horse and rode out to this warring tribe and he went into the village and he said, I demand to see the man who killed my father. 
the man came out, as an older gentleman, the man came out, and they thought we're about to see a battle, like this is going to be a battle to the death, that's, that would have been very normal to defend your family's honor, They're, you've been like, you're, now I'm going to kill you, like you killed my dad, I'm killing you, this is justice, it's street justice, but it's justice, right, and when the man came out, he said, you killed my father, and he said, because of my faith, I want you to know now you're my father, so he said, here's my best horse, here's my finest clothing, which is what I would give my father. The man got on his knees and he said, you have just killed me. Of course, we know what he meant by that was that he couldn't, the shame he felt and the forgiveness that he didn't deserve just killed him. Here's the truth. This may be killing you talking about this, but the Bible actually says you're already dead because in Christ we die to our sin. But you have to die before you come alive. Does that make sense? So you have to die to your rights, to lay down your arms. The only way the war ends is if we all lay down our arms and say, okay, I know you deserve me to retaliate, but I'm not going to do that because I didn't get what I deserve from God, so I'm not going to give you what you deserve from me. Does that make sense? It's hard to swallow, but it's really true. Now, now you just thought I offended you, but I haven't gotten there yet. Now I'm going to push down on the, uh, I'm going to, I mean, this is going to hurt. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm now going to push down on shot, but this is really what it comes down to. And this is crazy what I'm going to say next, but it's really the truth. The only way you're going to be able to shift from anger to compassion is to, is to swallow the last part of this, which is really hard, but here it is. Your offender is suffering also. Your offender is also suffering in pain because hurt people hurt people. You may say, but I, I, but I have nothing to do with that. I, I know, but someone offended them, someone hurt them, and now they've hurt you. In fact, Scripture says it this way in Job 15, the wicked man writhes in pain all his days, and numbered are the years stored up for the ruthless. Sounds of terror are in his ears, while at peace the destroyer comes upon him. So, you know, we're watching Ukraine completely be destroyed right now, but please don't believe for a second that Vladimir Putin's life is not also being destroyed. It is. Don't be fooled by the crisp suit. I promise you, his reign is ending, and he just doesn't realize it yet. Because people who create destruction in someone else's life actually reap destruction in their own life. He's hurting too. Now, I'm not trying to ask you to have compassion for Vladimir Putin today. I'm asking you to have compassion for the one who hurt you, which is probably worse in your mind. But the reason is because they're suffering and they've been hurt. In fact, just to put an exclamation on this, I want to show you what David says in Psalm 44. David, remember you know, the godly man, David, the greatest king of Israel and you know, a man after God's own heart is what they said about David in Scripture. You know, it's kind of hard to preach that. Um, if you look closely at his life, in fact, honestly, if you look at David's life, can you imagine if I'm preaching about David? I'm going to do a whole series on David and how much of a godly man he was and look at all these great psalms he wrote and he loved the Lord with all his heart and all this kind of stuff. But what if Uriah the Hittite was sitting in the audience during that sermon series? He'd be like, oh, that's not the David I know. The David I know, while I was fighting for him, cheated on me, cheated on 
uh, with my wife. He, he slept with my wife. That's what he did. And then, in order to not get caught, he sent me to the front line to have me killed. That's the David I know. So before you talk about David, the godly man, that's who David is to me. David, man after God's own heart, said this, Psalm 44. All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. David knew shame. He knew guilt. Why? Because he was guilty, and he'd done shameful things. So the offender also is in pain. That's why they offend. That's why they hurt you. That's the reason they said or betrayed you or sued you or fired you or whatever it is they did. They're also hurting. And the last thing I want to say is this, and we'll wrap it up, is that the real villain here is not them. The real villain here is the devil himself. You see, the devil's tool to hurt you is unforgiveness. If he can get you to stay angry at someone, then he's got you. That's what he wants. He doesn't care about that person, whether they're hurt or not. He just wants to make sure you're ineffective. If you stay mad at this person, and that becomes your fight. But the Bible says that we're supposed to be fighting the good fight, not that fight. That's not our fight. In fact, Ephesians 6 puts it this way. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Oh, but we are. But we are, right? But this person made me so mad and they hurt me and I'm so angry I just can't believe. But God says, that's not your fight. We're going to armor you up. We're not armoring you up so you can go fight your ex-spouse. You're not going to put on the armor of God so you can go fight your, your boss who fired you. We're not going to put you on the armor so you can go fight the person who sued you, the person who betrayed you. No, 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 that, that's, that's not this fight. The fight we're supposed to be in is to be a light in a dark world. In fact, one of the greatest ways you can be a light in a dark world is when the world says, get them back. You choose not to. That's the best fight in the world, isn't it? It's what you don't do. So you've been Will Smithed. <laughs> Pull a Chris Rock. Stand. Do what you're supposed to do. Finish your job. Right? I mean... In that situation, who, who came out the better, right? I'm not trying to knock Will Smith. I think he's going to turn things around. I really believe that. But we've all been in both roles, haven't we? I need to tell you something that may shock you, but you have also been the offender. There's someone who may argue that you ruined their world. I mean, I just hate to break it to you. You know, but, that, that, you know someone broke up with you and hurt you, but have you never broken up with somebody? You, you probably, in their mind, at least at that moment, ruined their life. Now, you know, maybe their, their life was ruined you know, at age 15, but when you're 15, it feels like your whole life's ruined, right? So we've also done the ruining. We've done the offending. It's not just that we have been offended, but we've also offended others as well. It's hard to believe it, but it's true. So the scripture says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have, having done, done all, stand firm. So the real villain is the devil. And here's what it comes down to. Here's, here's the last verse. And I'm going to challenge you to do something that seems unthinkable. I'm going to challenge you to forgive someone right now. One more verse, and we'll, then we'll do this. First Peter, First Timothy, excuse me, 1.5 says, Now the goal of our instruction, the goal of this whole message, 
is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So the reason I want to ask you to forgive someone today is so that you can have love that comes from a pure heart, so that you can have a good conscience and a sincere faith. So right now, across all of our campuses, would you stand to your feet? And we're going to take a moment. Just stand to your feet. Would you do that? And I want to challenge you in this moment to forgive them, to forgive someone who's really hurt you deeply. In fact, I'm going to open up the altar at all of our different churches, and you can come forward if you feel led. If you Maybe this is a deep thing for you, and this has been really hard. Maybe right now it's time to say, okay, I don't know how. Here's how. You just simply say, I forgive them. You simply state it. You just say, I, I'm going to You say, but I'm going to be mad at them tomorrow. I know. You may have to do it again tomorrow. You know, the, the problem with me, like the person who really offended me, they're still talking. You know, if I could just get them to cancel their Facebook page, it would really help. But I can't get them to do that. So I just have to learn to live with someone who doesn't like me. I mean, everybody know what I'm talking about? So I have to forgive them and then, and then re-forgive them. And then every once in a while, about three or four times a year, it comes up in my mind and I have to forgive them again. Just, I'm just being honest with you. But I can honestly say that I mean well for them. I mean that, really. I want them to do well. I hope their life is good. I do. It took me a while to get there. So let's take a moment right now and bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You can come forward if you feel led right now. And just surrender to God. Just come forward. Just open this altar right now. All of our different churches. You're online. You can just simply get on your knees if you want. Right? Pray in front of your computer. And, and just surrender to God. But you just come forward if you feel led. Just come forward. Thank you. You can just surrender. You know, maybe you coming forward isn't a 40-year-old woman coming forward. Maybe it's a 13-year-old girl inside that 40, 40-year-old woman that needs to come and say, I forgive what someone did to me. Maybe it's not a 50-year-old man coming forward, but a 12-year-old kid inside that man saying, but the things they said to me, the rejection I felt, the fact that they weren't there for me, Maybe you need to forgive them. You know, 12 to 50, that's a, that's a lot of years to be tied up in anger. It's time to let that go. God's too big for you to sit there in anger. God is too much of a God of love to let you hurt any longer. In fact, honestly, who is it that's in the penalty box in your mind? Because you think, I I'll keep in the penalty box and it'll keep them out of the game of life. But the truth is, if you go over to the penalty box and open it up, you realize that actually it's you sitting in there. The only person that's staying out of the game of life is you. So it's worth forgiving them so that you can get back in the game of life, of relationships, of, of love, of caring, of intimacy, of all those things that you're holding yourself back from because you just won't forgive somebody. So I want to challenge you right now in your prayer time. Maybe just whisper it. I forgive them. I release them. I let them off the hook. I let them go because, God, you forgave me so I forgive them. Just give that over to God right now. Surrender it. You're a big God. You can take my anger. Or maybe your prayer honestly is more like this. I want to be realistic with you today. Maybe your prayer is this. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not there. Then here's your prayer today. Your prayer is, God, I open my mind and my faith to the possibility of you helping me process my anger. Will you start there? Maybe your prayer today is to say, God, just, I just want to begin to forgive. I'm not there today, but I want to begin the process 
of forgiving this person. Maybe you need to go get the book I got a lot of my notes from and read it cover to cover. Maybe it's time to go talk to a counselor, talk to a pastor today and just start the process because you, your kids, your family, your future is worth it. Release them and you'll discover God is releasing you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never given your life to Christ, it's really hard to give unconditional love to someone who doesn't deserve it when you haven't received unconditional love when you didn't deserve it. But that's what a relationship with Jesus is all about. So you can pray and you can receive Christ right now by praying a very simple prayer. Just pray this prayer with me. We're going to say it out loud together across all of our different churches online. You can pray this with us as well. Just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. You died for, for my offenses. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me. Renew me. I make you my Lord and my Savior. I put you in first place and I repent of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you just prayed that simple prayer, Christ has come in your life. No one's looking around right now. You can simply lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Just lift your hand high. If you just pray that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, just hold your hand high. If you just pray that prayer, just hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our different churches. Thank you. We see those hands. Thank you, Rodfield. Praise God. Thank you, Stone Oak. Hold those hands high. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport. Thank you, Padre. Hold those hands high. Maybe you're a part of our online church today. Just simply let us know in the text chat. Just text my hands raised. Just simply click hand raised right now. Just let us know if you just gave your life to Christ. God, thank you. You are that good. Thank you. That you're that amazing. You forgive me my sins. I thank you for that. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that through the power of your Holy Spirit and your truth and your word is the only way today is possible. So a miracle has happened today. We've been holding on to something and we've let it go. And we thank you, God, that we can trust you with this. In your name we pray and all God's people say, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.